A few months ago, an email plopped into the Folk on Foot inbox. It said, Hi there, Folk on Foot team. Just a note to say, I'd love to be one of your guests, walking around the North York's moors near where I now live and where I wrote my last record. Do get in touch if interested. And it was signed, Olivia Cheney. Well, we weren't just interested. We were determined to make this happen, because Olivia has one of the most enchanting and beguiling voices in the English folk scene. And we thought the chance to walk around the North York moors with her was too good to pass up. So that's why we're sitting outside the Hornby Stores and Tea Room in the village of Hornby with Swifts dive-bombingers from the eaves of the building and a river running past us and the lush green hills going up in the distance, waiting to meet Olivia. And we're looking forward to an amazing afternoon. So we've just come up the hill a little bit and we're meeting Olivia. Hello, how lovely to see you. And you, hello. Where are we? We are at what my family call the cattle grid. <laughs> <laughs> just outside the magical village of Hornby, just inside the National Park of the North York's Moors. And they sort of expand all around us here, don't yeah. they? There's this great open expanse of, yeah. of, of ground here and a path invitingly stretching away across it. Shall we start? walking down the hat. Absolutely. It's a really warm mm -hmm. afternoon. Um, and Olivia, what does this part of the world mean to you? What brought you here in the first place? Oh, so much. Um, well, I guess, strictly speaking, my, my family ended up bringing me here. I grew up in Oxford, but my mum moved up north when I was a teenager and I went off to music boarding school in Manchester. So suddenly, having grown up in the south, suddenly we were all kind of becoming very acquainted with the north then her and her partner got a dog and so they'd drive out into the countryside and go for these big walks and one day they stumbled across this kind of ruined cottage in the middle of nowhere and my mum found out who owned it and wrote to the land agent and said could we look after it because it's obviously a bit abandoned and vandalized and they said oh no that one's you know taken but there's another one that you could look after and that's Hazelshaw House where we're heading and so my family's kind of looked after it for, I don't know, I guess it must be about 20 years. And, and so, do you come here a lot? Yeah, my teens, my 20s, we'd come out. It's basically like camping because there's, you know, it's very, very basic and rustic out what, there. What, no electricity? No electricity. The running water is basically a hose that the farmer set up from a spring. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, no bathroom, you know, and we'd come out and... Just camp, family holidays, lots of barbecues and get the most incredible sunsets there with the sunlight coming through the holes in the dry stone walls and silhouettes of the amazing sheep. And it's just 
I don't know, there's just no place like it for me, really. Um, I've fallen in love with North Yorkshire. <laughs> <laughs> and, you, and you went there to write, I think, to write your last album. Yeah, so all these years of kind of wonderful associations of this place, then at a very, very particularly busy time in, in my musical career and having spent a hell of a lot of time on the road in the States and kind of, I just thought, where can I retreat to to really focus on on writing and what I'd like to say in my music and the place that that felt the most appropriate to escape the modern world really was out here did you come on your own yeah and it was it was it was very intense really both in good and sometimes bad ways you know you had nothing no one or like, no escape from your, yourself in a funny kind of way. And what, it, and what time of year was it? The plan was summer, so it would, you know, not be too harsh for me and um, living out there on my own and endlessly having to make fires to just keep warm. We thought, oh, summer, it won't be too bad. But I couldn't find a second-hand piano. Um, I kept trying to find the right kind of piano to, to ship out there. <laughs> Well, down this track? Yeah, mad okay. though it sounds. Yeah, it does. But I just was a bit purist and I was like, I have to have a piano, you know, to write. And as well as guitars and the harmonium. Eventually I found this beautiful old Beckstein for a very reasonable price on eBay or something in London. Hired a van. But anyway, by the time we'd done all that and amazingly got it out there, it was... I don't know, it must have been late September or something. Mm -hmm. So autumn <laughs> started yeah. coming in. <laughs> and it got colder, presumably. It got colder, it got wetter. So Darker. It, yeah, exactly, all of that. So ah. it, it did, I wouldn't say bleak, but you know, there were some evenings where I, I did think, why am I doing this again? <laughs> were you frightened? Yeah, absolutely. And actually one of the songs I, I hope I'm going to play for you back at the house is something I've written for the next record, it's called Bogeyman. And in a way, it's partly inspired still by... By wondering about faces at the window and things like that. Exactly. The, well, the song is, in a way, the song is about, you know, do we ever get rid of that kind of... the childlike fears of the dark and the unknown. And, and it's just, it's a play on, on all of those things. and. I certainly, staying out of Hazelshire on my own for whatever it was, a month, six weeks, yeah, was definitely confronted by all those fears more than I would like to admit, really. Yeah, well, it's such an um, interesting time to be talking about it, too, exactly. because of the lockdown yeah. and, and so on. So it's sort of, in, in a way, we've some of us have faced that kind of isolation and exactly. uh, in, in a compulsory kind of a way. Yeah. And do you have any sort of things that you learn about yourself and about how you cope with isolation? I think I'd say that the so-called isolation that we've all experienced with lockdown and coronavirus for me has been very different because I've had a child in that time and, you know, I'm about to get married. And your baby's name is? Calliope. Calliope. So she's a muse, of, a muse of epic poetry and music, the Greek muses, one of the nine muses. And uh, actually my grandfather wrote a poem about the muses and... My middle name's Cleo, so I'm the muse of history, so it felt like, I don't know, it was partly inspired by his poem, and also my partner speaks Greek. That all makes sense. <laughs> Shall we just pause and listen to the sounds of the moor, because yeah. this, this is such a gorgeous place.
I think that's Curlews and Blackwings. Both freaking out that we're coming near their nests. And I can see nestling in the heather what looks like a flight case. Oh Just yes, there. look, covered up Should by the blanket. It? <laughs> <laughs> Why do you find the harmonium such a good instrument to, to sing along with? I think it's the breath-like quality. It's very human um, to kind of pump the air like that. It just... And so I love singing with it because even though my arm is pumping the air, it, it kind of, I don't know, it just helps me breathe with the music. And there's just something about the drones as well. And I've got four notes as options for the drones and I love how that dictates how I write and arrange things because I kind of have to... I have to fit to the instrument, which is good for someone like me who's over-analytical and, you know, it's just less <laughs> choice. Some rules. Exactly, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I thought it'd be nice to sing a song by Ewan McCall, a very famous song. I know you've done a folk on foot with Peggy. Yes. Um, well, would you know what happened when we, we went with Peggy Seeger was that she told us the whole story about the first time ever yeah. I saw your face, yeah. but she didn't sing it no us, no because uh, she didn't really feel that she could right but we're really delighted that you Aww. might sing it for us here. <laughs> what is it about the song that you like well it's just a very iconic song isn't it and I, I grew up with the Roberta Flack version much more than than Peggy Seegers and then when I um I'm sure I heard Peggy Seegers as a kid but I didn't I didn't remember it and then when I came back to it yeah, I just oh I just fell in love with the song again in a in a whole new way but when I recorded it, I felt like, in a funny kind of way, I was trying to slightly pay homage to both versions. The first time ever I saw your face I thought the sun rose in your
felt your heart beat over mine. I thought a joy would fill the earth and last till. And when we look back the way we've come, there's, there's a wonderful green hill and we can see for miles uh, to a forested, wooded hill in, in the far distance and then another green hill on the, on the left and then it all descends into this moorland. So the two hills you were mentioning is this Hornby Hill and then Easterside Hill and uh, we've walked up both of them a few times. Hornby Hill's actually less approachable than it looks <laughs> with all Quite the bracken steep, actually, isn't it? yeah but it's a it's a fantastic walk from from the house if um i'm not sure i ever did do that when i was writing the record but with friends i've done it where you just suddenly think i really need a pint and then you walk about two miles over the hill and then you come out in the village at the pub um yeah let's keep going mm -hmm. So you mentioned your grandfather writing a poem. Do you mm. come from a kind of artistic family? Yeah, I guess so. Mad and artistic, yeah, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely uh, on the unconventional side. Right, tell me about it. So he's on my mum's side. He's still going strong, 94, lives in Camden, London, but he's actually from, from the outback in Australia. Uh, but he came over to London in the kind of 50s along with quite a few artistic people from Melbourne, like the painters Boyd and Sidney Nolan. Um, he remarried to an Armenian psychoanalyst. That's my lovely step-granny. So I have an uncle, Maj, who writes sci-fi. And, <laughs> <laughs> and actually, he married into the Felakuti clan. He's married Felakuti's granddaughter. So. Wow. <laughs> and what about your mum and dad? So my mum's basically Australian, but with an English accent, because my grandfather was a mathematician, and he was at Harvard at one point, so she had a time in Boston. She had a bit of her childhood in Fiji. He went and taught there. And then they came to England when she was still quite little. And she married my dad very young. And he is half Dutch, half English. And then I was born in Italy, in Florence, because my dad was doing his PhD out there. And then we came to Oxford when I was pretty little. So were you surrounded by artistic activity when you were growing up? Yeah, on the academic kind of intellectual side of, of artistry. My sister's a designer and yeah, my dad was a painter, but then he kind of went into more art and cultural history 
and my mum's a writer, biographer. Yeah, pretty arty lot. What about music? Was there any music in the house? Yeah, so no one plays professionally or anything, but my dad, self-consciously, but um, plays very beautiful finger-style guitar. I mean, his musical taste has been a huge kind of part of what I grew up listening to. Really good pop music, you know, Mozart operas, but yeah, also a heavy dose of Joan Byers, Bob Dylan and Bert Jansch and Stanley Denny and Joni Mitchell and Briggs. But I guess sometimes that's why I feel a bit self-conscious with like the super trad folk world in this in this country because you know I wasn't growing up listening to like field recordings and and going to all the clubs and and the festivals like someone like Eliza or <laughs> you know yes. I mean uh, yeah I feel like there was there was more than just just the folk influence certainly and I think it took me lots of hothouse institutions and studying classical music and jazz and stuff all my life to to suddenly realise after I graduated, actually, what is at the core of, of all the music that I love? I don't know. I just begun to feel like folk music was a kind of portal into a rawness and a kind of humanity in any of my favourite art. And so that's when I started to delve a bit deeper back into that. And that's when I taught myself guitar and started playing the harmonium. So Actually, when you were at the Royal Academy of Music, what was your principal instrument? Technically, I was studying jazz voice, but I, you know, I didn't. I broke all the rules and I was still doing bits of opera. I was actually, I actually did mostly contemporary classical stuff. I just was collaborating with composers and I didn't want the rules to be there. I didn't really believe well, in it. Well, it doesn't sound place. as though the boundaries exist in a way in your mind. No. A, there isn't a boundary between contemporary classical and jazz no. and some kinds of folk music no. and that all of those things can move in different ways in a very yeah. what somebody described to me as genre fluid yeah, the other day. Exactly. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um so that's that's the house, that's the cottage. Oh we we see it now. Yeah. And it's got that line of Scots pine trees which um it's funny, it reminds me of, you know, where I was born in, in Italy, out in Tuscany, but that was more for a I think that was more for grand houses. You you have the line of cypress trees, whereas here it's obviously not for a grand house at all. <laughs> I think they were dairy farmers there. But you can see also because the landscape is open all around us. You can see how isolated uh, the the spot is. So isolated. Apart from the sheep, you yeah. can see the the field of yeah. sheep next door. But although what's interesting about this landscape is you know all us townies come come here for the wonderful isolation but actually back then when you look at the ordnance survey maps and there's lots of signs um of small bits of mining and things and actually it would have been not densely populated but much more populated obviously than than now so i i always wonder how isolated it would have felt or not for the for the people living there back then again it's the city versus the country thing of it's easy to have your fantasy of what the countryside is but for people who live and work out here it's there's a functionality to it that is a curvy isn't it we saw it this time uh, humans are coming quick take shelter <laughs>
So just here in the heather, we've found another musical <laughs> looks instrument. Like someone lying it looks under like a, a corpse, actually, doesn't it? <laughs> but I think it might be a guitar. Hopefully, it's a guitar. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, wish me luck. Good luck. <laughs> I've never sung this one outdoors. Actually, this will be. The first. Yeah. Just, just, just tell us about the song that you're going to sing, Olivia. Um, so this is called Oh Solitude, which seems very fitting for what we've all been through in the last year or two. And it's, but it was written, uh, when would it have been written? I'm trying to think. Purcell's dates are 1659 to 1695. He died just a tiny bit older than Mozart. So somewhere in the late 17th century. And, uh, well, I think it just still speaks to us now, even even without having been in lockdown. It's a wonderful poem that he set actually by a woman. And it's one of his standalone songs. It's not from any of his operas. And it's over this ground bass, a kind of repeating bass line, which I've incorporated into a more folky style guitar. So it's my way of... Um, well, I don't think you need to try and update Purcell, but to me, a bit like we were talking about earlier, it just, it kind of comes naturally to me to just sing Purcell in the way I feel is is contemporary. And um, I hope, I hope he'd approve. Oh, solitude, my sweetest choice. Oh, solitude, oh, solitude my sweetest sweetest joys places devoted to the night remote from tumult and from noise so ye may restless thoughts delight oh solitude oh solitude my sweetest, sweetest choice. Oh, heavens, what content is mine to see those trees which have appeared from the nativity of time and which all ages have revered. To look today as fresh and green, to look today as fresh and green as when the
sake are in love and grown with what they fancy thy fancy does pursue but when I think upon my own I hate it I hate it for that reason too because it needs must hinder me from seeing from seeing and You see what I mean? Can you hear the the, the bass line? Is the so that would have been played on a you know a, what they call what, a bass cello? Or yeah, exactly. Yeah, a gamba or something, and um, maybe you'd have a harpsichord or a lute kind of improvising with it. But I just think that he could write that kind of melody over that bass line. It's just it's one of my favourites. Um, yeah. Wonderful. Look, we... we're nearly there. I can smell the sausages from here. Sorry to your vegetarian <laughs> listeners. We're keen on the sausage <laughs> on this podcast. <laughs> so do you look forward to bringing your own daughter here and imbuing her with the love of it? Yeah, we already have. Yeah, I took her out here very soon after she was born. and um, I've even got, got footage of her she can't walk yet but standing up and reaching the piano keys <laughs> the sad thing is is that i don't think we'll see how it goes when we get there but i don't think i'm going to be able to play you house on the hill on the on the piano that it was written on in the house that the house on the hill is about because well, no, the you're wetting my appetite now. <laughs> no, but i think the damp the poor old beckstein it's a beautiful piano but sadly I think the damp and the so it goes out of tune, does it? Yeah, it's, some of the keys are sticking and things, but we'll see. I haven't haven't been out here for a bit, so it might might have dried out in the last few weeks. So we're turning right now through this gate and into the sheep field. Thank you. So the house is just at the foot of this. Yeah. It's sort of almost a little valley, isn't it? Yeah, we'll go this go way. There, the field, there yeah. didn't used to be a, a fence here, actually. We just used to cut straight over, but we'll just go around. So we're going through the field of a sheep and lambs. Did you hear the strange electronic-sounding lapwing? There it is. Oh, yeah, this. Is that the lapwing? Yeah. I was lucky, really. I'm saying it was, you know, it was a bit of a curse finding the piano late and it not being the height of summer anymore. But actually, again, it informed, you know, one of my favourite songs and the, being able to really see that. I mean, the weather's always changing and life is motion, but somehow when you're right on the cusp of a, of a big season change it's kind of more dramatic isn't it Feel, yes. it feels to me like Definitely. that anyway and so 
suddenly really feeling autumn coming was and I, and that's you know that's that really is the thing that I think living in the city you miss and when you're when you're really steeped in nature as you are when you stay somewhere like this you so your awareness is so much more heightened to the change every color every sunset uh, you know the time of the sun coming up I also of course I fantasized that I'd be getting up at 5 a.m you know with the sun every morning and going to bed really early but it didn't actually really happen <laughs> so we're approaching the house now and uh i want to describe it somehow it's a stone built house isn't it and then yeah. there's a barn next to it yeah with a corrugated iron roof with some holes in it yeah uh, but swallows live in you have swallows sweeping in and out of there oh, it's how beautiful wonderful. yeah with the sheep giving us a picturesque <laughs> chorus as we, as we arrive at the gate. Let's cross the stones and cross the... Yeah, so the this, little, this little stream is where, uh, if you remember, I, I said we've got the, um, the, spring, the spring water attached to, you know, coming through a hose pipe for our, for our tap. So that's where the water comes from? That's, yeah, that's where it comes from. Welcome. Thank you. So we're walking into the to the kitchen. Flagstone floor, of course. Yeah. A beautiful old scrub table. Yeah. And a range. Yeah. Which it's, is burning. Look. Yeah. Look. Who lit that? <laughs> this reminds me of me me lighting that every morning. And some sausages on top of the range. Magical. This is perfect. And a, ke a kettle, <laughs> kettle and a coffee boiling. pot and some wonderful looking <laughs> cheese scones. Uh, what, and then some lanterns hanging up along the, uh, along the beams here, the low beams. And I mean, it just, it, it, it's, like a, it's like a painting, Aww. don't you think? Yeah, I do. It's, it's like a painting of a farmhouse kitchen. That's why I came and hauled myself up out here. And there's a sheepskin <laughs> on the back of the chair. <laughs> Which is very inviting. Yeah, it's really that's the that's the favourite seat in the winter. Just by the range. Yeah, exactly. Will you show us around? Yeah. What absolutely. else is there to see? There's a little. You shouldn't really advertise it, but there's a cheating little camping stove in case you're feeling desperate for coffee in the morning and you, <laughs> you can't, can't get, get your fire lit fast <laughs> enough. <laughs> and look at this. What have you got there? Swallow nest. A swallow's nest inside the porch. Yeah. Here. Oh, wow. It's magic. So in the summer, if you just, you know, we often sit out there and have a cup of tea and kind of we basically live out in the front front bit. If it's Looking warm. over the valley. Exactly. And you can see Easterside and Hornby Hill if you step out. But but if we leave the back gate open and the front door open, swallows fly through the house. Through from one side to the yeah, other. They come through. So how is the piano? Would you just uh, tinkle it for us oh, and see what it sounds be. like? Let's see, yeah, it's not, not, in, not in good it? nick. It sounds like an old church piano, doesn't it? Oh, it's a bit sad. I know, people wouldn't approve that I've let it fall into disrepair. But, but pianos are one of those instruments that don't really improve with age, aren't they? No, they, they tend not. to go off a bit. Yeah, I haven't helped it. <laughs> putting it out here with the damp. In fact, if I show you upstairs where I slept, yes. um, you'll, you'll see that through the through the, the stone walls you can actually see outside. The daylight. <laughs> so <laughs> I they're used pretty to, thick walls, aren't they? 
they are thick, but but the ones up there have you know they're pretty damaged so i used to have to shove newspaper or like rags in the holes because the wind would i slept with my hat on the wind would literally whistle through to my head <laughs> let's go and have a look <laughs> yeah it feels more protected down here somehow but... Hill that oh, we were yes. looking at before. I always think they look like beached whales. 
those those hills. <laughs> and the the windows, you know, one of those small farmhouse windows, but it perfectly frames that view, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, Yorkshire sashes, the 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 sideways slide. So it goes across rather yeah. than up and down. Yeah, I love them. They're all all like that here. Let's go upstairs. Yeah. And this is um, I can't remember what this is called, but it's like of the sheep dip colour. Do you, any of you know the? So the sort of distressed um, plasterwork here on the stairs. <laughs> yeah, it's not us trying to make it look stylish. That's actually <laughs> just genuine peeling away. Um, so is this your bedroom? No, the my, I slept through. This is the guest room, is it? The guest this suite. Is the, yeah, this is the very posh guest room, yeah. With a spare door hanging <laughs> against the wall. Just in case you need it, yeah. <laughs> so the windowsill consists of Rocks. crumbling stone, really, doesn't it? I mean, it's. <laughs> uh, it all yeah, the needs stone's to sort be. Of crumbled away. Yeah, look. Oh, and yeah. there's a gap between the top of the window frame and the wall yeah. and, the, and the ceiling there. Yes. I actually, I do want to say that when I was here, one of these windows had a had a hole in it. It was, yeah, it was very Heathcliff, yeah. Yeah. But kind of worth it and very beautiful too. Well, I'm sort of being reminded of a, a recording we did with John Bowden, who's got this fascination with the decay of post-industrial buildings oh, and yeah. nature taking back over yeah. and he took us to this disused factory in the Loxley oh, wow. Valley near Sheffield oh, wow. where the ivy and uh, all the foliage is growing taking through the iron the and through the yeah. stonework and so on so there's something rather attractive and beautiful yeah. about crumbling stonework and the fading past plaster that you can see here isn't there there's something very yeah, it's the Pleasing kind of, it. what is it? It's like the intersection between, you know, man's effect on nature and it's the kind of eternal tussle of nature man with nature. Nature back. Yes. Yeah, maybe. Yes, <laughs> that's, that's, that's a good way of thinking back, it. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, this house is just about managing to to uh, withstand that. But um, So through here is the room that you slept in? Yeah, this, this was where I slept. A lovely it's got a view. a nice brass bed in it. <laughs> yeah. The bare stone walls. Bare stone walls, um, a bit of old 50s wallpaper left, and um, where are the, uh, you can't, it's not, when the light's coming in a certain way, you can you can see through the walls, see the whole, basically. A yeah. hole through to the outside. And there's a hole through to downstairs, if you stand here, look. And it's easy on a warm day like today to get quite a romantic feeling here, but I imagine on a cold, wet, wild, night on the moors here it can be very bleak in this house too absolutely you know when you don't have um a light switch or a cooker or a you know all all those things that we we tend to take for granted you you realize this is a lot of hard work and it takes up a lot of time just keeping warm and just existing and surviving and that's that is part of why i wanted to come here because i kind of wanted to slow down and and have that kind of focus and discipline, really. What do you think for us here? Oh, I'd love to. I forgot. I forgot we're here to do music. <laughs> just chatting about the house. Can <laughs> we get upstairs again? Yeah. So I was thinking, actually, that this song is, a, in a weird way, it's like a, not quite a sequel to Shelter, but. It definitely, I think there's definite kind of references for my own experience of 
the literal fear of the dark, but the but fear of the dark in the in the more broad sense. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Can I just say thank you so much for oh, sharing you. your stories and, and songs with us and also for bringing us to this magical place. Thank, thank you, you so coming. much. And <laughs> I, I have to say those sausages are looking really good on the stove <laughs> I think now. They're just ready. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you. Olivia Cheney taking us to the house on Hornby Moor. Well, if you enjoyed this episode, you can see films of all the songs that Olivia performed if you sign up to become a patron of Folk on Foot. 
our Folk on Foot on Film service that you get if you become a patron is just the most amazing resource. It's got more than a hundred songs that we've filmed on location on our travels, including now these of Olivia on the North York Moors. It's well worth joining and every penny you give goes back into making more episodes of Folk on Foot. So if you love what we do, please go to folkonfoot.com and click on the support us button and sign up there. We love making Folk on Foot and with your support, we'd like to think we can go on forever. <laughs>